Welcome to Footy Time. My name is Johnny Raff. How are we all? Hope you all had a good weekend and hope all the mums out there had a great Mother's Day yesterday. It was a ripping day for weather and hopefully you treated your mum to something that you wouldn't usually treat them to on a beautiful day like that. As we go to air tonight, I have literally just heard the news about Harrison Petty and his injury, his foot injury, which seemed to be just a little knock that he got to the foot during the game, uh, like a yeah, maybe a broken toe or just a severely bruised foot. But turns out he's going to be missing four to six weeks now, which is a massive blow. But that's all right. It's a little bit of a kick in the guts at the moment, but footy time comes first. We soldier on. And let's get stuck into it. Blinders and shockers. Blinders. Another good performance from the Brisbane Lions as they triumphed over the Bombers on Saturday night. I thought about who I could focus on in this game as there were some very good performances. Lockie Neal had a, a Lockie Neal type game with 30 touches and 15 contested, 8 inside 50s. Joey Danaher continued his terrific form, booting 6 against his old side. But the guy I've decided to look at in detail is Cam Rayner. A lot of people were ridiculing the decision early in the year to play Rayner off half-back, almost suggesting that this was, well, <laughs> idiotic coaching, to be put bluntly. Yes, I may have been one of those people in the first month that was questioning that decision, but I'm starting to think that the time Rayner spent in defence has actually moulded the high half-forward midfield product we're seeing now. He now sees the game from an altered perspective, and I want to pull this quote up from SCN a few weeks ago. Cam said in an interview, quote, I feel like when I was playing in the back line, playing on players that gave me challenges, I thought that was something I could bring into my own game. When other players were a bit stagnant on me, I was like, that's how easy I am to defend at times. Having that there and having it in the back of my mind, I think it's going to make me a better forward. Being able to play in all different positions on the ground is always very helpful. So it sounds like Cam has really absorbed the lessons from his time in defence and it's made him a much more rounded player. He's been a big part of their recent success. Shocker. West Coast injury issues. Yep, I've rehashed this one, but... I think we now have to look a bit deeper than the same old stuff that's being spruiked at the moment. We know that West Coast have had three years now of terrible injury problems that have basically derailed their season before it's even started. It can't just be bad luck when it gets to that level, and it is most likely some bad management as well, right? Well, partially. Without knowing everything that happens internally at a footy club, it seems a little bit naive to put everything down to the Eagles medical staff, the physios, the sports scientists, many people who are likely high achievers in their fields. Now, of course, not every club has the same level of expertise in these areas, so I'm not discounting this as a reason. But I was having this conversation over the weekend with someone, and I made the suggestion that maybe West Coast have not made it a preference to recruit for durability in the players that they draft. 
I was asked if it was even possible to recruit for durability, and I think that it is. Whether you're in the draft or the trade period, a player's medical history, their injury history, general makeup, and then all the sports science, things like BMI, muscle mass, and the myriad of tests that they do at the draft combine, can be used to determine a body that would hold up well to the rigors of AFL footy. That info is all on display at the combine, and what clubs decide to do with it is their decision. My theory, and I must make it clear that it's just a theory, is that while some clubs draft for strong-bodied midfielders and contested beasts who can hold up well to the physicality of AFL footy, like Melbourne have done in previous years, a club like West Coast might prefer the talented but flashy type of player regardless of the fact that they might have had some injury history. They might have had a knee injury or a recurring soft tissue injury at the under-18 level. It's not a wrong way to go about it, as West Coast have always been a fun team to watch, and they won a flag with the likes of Liam Ryan, Junior Rioli, Petrocelli, Lewis Jetta. But are we seeing the flip side of this now, is the question. There are very few players at West Coast under 24 who have 50 games experience due to injury. So it's not just a case of older players like Luke Shuey pinging the hemi every week. Quite often you'll see West Coast draft a player in the, the 20s and 30s of the draft that was touted to go in the top 15. It makes you wonder if they are punting on guys that other clubs pass over due to their medical history. So I think drafting for durability, it, it is a thing. And it is a common practice when building a squad in any contact sport. It happens in the NFL quite a lot. And it's never just one thing. Player management should be under scrutiny, but maybe it's worth looking at the recruiting side of things as well at West Coast. Blinder. The Fremantle Dockers. They had a massive win over the Sydney Swans at the SCG, and it was built off clearance. They smashed the clearances plus 13. They were taking the game on more and getting the ball in quicker. And one of the guys there in a rich vein of form right now is Caleb Sarong. It's looking like Sarong is kicking it a lot more than handballing. He was one of those players that tended to handball sideways a fair bit, but he's now kicking it more, and it's something that, you know, he needs to do more often. In this game, 20 of his 33 possessions were kicks, and that's the most he's ever had in a game. So if he can keep going this way, you might see him become more of the, the Lockie Neal or the Clayton Oliver type. Sean Darcy was brilliant in ruck with 18 disposals, including 14 contested and nine clearances with 44 hitouts, fueling the visitors 49 to 36 dominance in the clearances. The Dockers are moving it quicker, as we said, taking more risks and catching opposition off guard. Much better to watch than the slow and steady ball movement from the back, which wasn't scaring anyone. The big test is the Cats at home this week, and then the Demons the following week at the MCG. We'll see how good they really are. Shocker. Is it really just the injuries, or is something seriously wrong in Sydney right now? The SCG is no longer their fortress, having now lost three games there in a row. And for a team that was runners-up last year... The chance of even playing finals in 23 is slipping away. The injuries don't help at all, and with Dane Rampey, Sam Reid, Paddy and Tom McCartan already out, they also they also lost 
co-skipper Callum Mills early on, and Logan McDonald finished the game on the bench as well. So we're not disputing that the injuries are a major cause, but they are getting smashed in clearances and contested ball right now. Minus 13 in this game. And when do you ever see the Swans get beaten at contested footy? For as long as I can remember, they've been superior in that area. At a ground like the SCG, that it's going to hurt when you lose in that, in that statistics. So generally, if you beat Sydney in contested possession and clearances at the moment, you generally win. <laughs> Uh, they couldn't get anything out of Franklin with just four touches. It felt like the only ones capable of winning the game for them were Errol Goulden and Isaac Heaney. And Goulden actually had a career-high game with 39 touches. I'm not ruling them out of finals contention yet. We've seen the Swans pull off too many miracles over time, but it is starting to seriously get away from them. Blind up. He may not be the most talked-about key forward right now, but Taylor Walker is having a ripping season. 23 goals on the year, and his performance against the Saints was exceptional. Five goals, eight score involvements, and eight marks. He really is looking like the Techs of old and would be relishing working in a forward line of Isaac Rankin, Darcy Fogarty, and Josh Rochelle. He just looks rejuvenated. If he keeps going the way he is, you can bank him in for 50 this year. It's hard to find a dependable hit-up forward, so if you have one, you got to make the most of them and very handy to have this is a forward line that can hurt you with not too many opportunities shocker bombers started the season brilliantly and they started this game against the lines very well leading at half time a lot of people were lauding their defense at the start of the season but listeners of this show know that i was a little skeptical of this simply being fixed overnight check out these rankings for essendon Last in the competition for inside 50s conceded. 17th for overall pressure and last for midfield turnovers. They average 60 intercepts a game and the AFL average is 70. Which may not sound like a lot, but over the course of a game, it's 10 extra times that you give your defence a break and a chance to set. Now, I know personnel has been an issue at Essendon and Ridley is a massive out for them. But it's looking like because of that, they are playing some extras behind the ball instead of bringing midfield pressure with numbers. And because of this, they just aren't getting enough pressure on the ball carrier. Simple as that. And that is hurting them when it comes to turnovers in defence. They're not getting enough pressure on the opposition midfielders to affect enough sort of scruffy kicks to intercept in the back line or turn over. So, yeah, that's... It's really going to make it hard for them to score, seeing that scores on turnover is probably the the secret source of the league at the moment. So I thought this was going to be a harder task to fix than it seemed at first, and it is. <laughs> um, the Bombers have Richmond next week, uh, the Dreamtime game, I believe. Can they get it together with a win? Blinder. The performance of the round may well have been the Tigers on Friday night with their steering win over Geelong. Richmond were able to get the game on their terms, much like how they used to in their prime. And they really shocked along with some of the speed of movement that they, the Cats just couldn't handle it. In some ways, it was reminiscent of that Collingwood and Geelong game early in the season. But the key component of this win, I thought, was Nathan Broad's performance on one of the league's best players in Jeremy Cameron. Cameron didn't play a bad game by any stretch, 
He had 21 disposals. But what Broad was able to do was stay in his defensive 50 and just let Cameron do his thing when he got up the ground, trusting his midfield, the Tigers' midfield, to contest for the ball with Cameron when he was up there. Cameron never got goal side abroad, and as a result, he only had one goal and four of those 21 possessions inside 50. Now, we've seen plenty of forwards get off the chain this way. You know, I think of guys like Nick Rewald who used to do that all the time. I mean, it, you loved seeing him close to goal, but he could damage you when he got up the ground. But guess what? Nathan Broad had 19 disposals himself in this game. Seven marks, intercepts, he had 11, and five intercept marks of his own. He's a super versatile player, Nathan Broad. He can play on a small forward one week and a Jeremy Cameron the next. Shocker. I thought of doing something a little different to finish things off. I even thought of making this the first ever combined blinder and shocker. Uh, But look, it's just going to be more of an observation, I think. We'll start it off with a blinder. Why not? Uh... Because the shocker part of it, yeah, is the observation part. But we know how strong Collingwood look at the moment. They've just got an ultimate team play philosophy and they're one of the best teams at just getting their leaders and stars involved in a game. They had an even spread of goal kickers. Jamie Elliott kicked three. Mason Cox was fantastic. I think he had two. Hoskin Elliott, Hill, McQuarrie, Majacek and Gidiman also had two. And Nick Dacos after that hard tag by Ryan Clark last week. He was back to the standard we've come to expect with 41 possessions and 78% disposal efficiency. They aren't going anywhere but up and on top of the ladder for a reason. But, and there is a but, and it could be a bit of a reach, but I'm going to call to your attention to a stat here that I've taken from the Wheeler Ratings website. And that is the defensive shots to inside 50 ratio, which put simply is how good you are at defending your defensive 50 and allowing as few shots from the opposition as possible in there. So going down the list, starting from number one, Port Adelaide, one, St Kilda, two, Gold Coast, three, Carlton, four, Brisbane, five, Melbourne, sixth. Now, I don't really know how accurate that is in ranking a team defense, but this is the surprising part. I did hear that in the last 20 years, the premiership team has never been outside the top six in that stat. Collingwood currently sits 11th. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It's it's not the be all and end all, but it does kind of explain that what they are saying when they say that you need a good defence to win a premiership. Now, the way Collingwood play, they rarely let it get behind where they can be beaten on counter-attacks, but, and, you know, they're doing a lot right at the moment to keep things forward of the centre and, and not get out the, and have those numbers going forward, but they haven't really had to do anything differently up until now. But is this a chink in the armour that hasn't been exploited yet? Only time will tell. And that is all we have time for on Footy Time this week. 
Round 10 kicks off with a huge game in Adelaide on Friday night, Port Adelaide v Melbourne. And then there's the Bulldogs v the Crows on the Saturday. The Q Clash, which could be a good one for a change. Uh, That's Saturday night, I think. And Carlton and Collingwood on Sunday Arvo, one of the oldest rivalries in the game. So there's plenty to watch this week, and hopefully your team wins. Bye for now.